Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Refold Podcast. My name is Clayton, also known as George Pig, and I manage the community here at Refold. Today, we're joined by Koalani. And despite her fantastic American English accent, she is actually originally a speaker of Greek. So join us as we talk all about learning languages via immersion pre-internet and what it was like to learn English and Spanish via radio and comic books. All right. And Koalani, thank you so much for coming on the Refold podcast today. Thank you. So, Kolani, um, you were put into contact with me uh, by Crush, one of the, the Cantonese admins for the Refold Discord servers, um, and he spoke very highly of you. Uh, so you actually are kind of a, a polyglot, if I understand. Yeah, I started learning languages when I was a kid. Um, actually, most of them, <laughs> that most of, most of the languages that I speak now, I started learning as a kid um well i had plenty of time so it was also easier than now um so yeah i've i've, I've been studying um different different languages you know not just you know from one family group right um so you and crush share a couple of kind of I don't want to say obscure, but lesser learned languages. Um, I believe you and he share Basque and Hawaiian as languages that you both are somewhat proficient in, especially Basque. Yeah, I think he's better than me, but okay, we haven't spoken in Basque. But yeah, we're like um, inter an intermediate level. Um, and uh, Hawaiian, well, a little less, but yeah, okay, we... we um, he has been on some of my my um, classes, if I can call them that. It's it's just a you know a meeting among learners to practice Hawaiian. So, yeah. Well, he also and, speaks Spanish, but that's not a minority language. Right. He also is is very good at Spanish, um, and you are too, I believe. Um, so, Spanish is one of your stronger languages, yeah. as is English. Well, yeah, actually, I think my my Spanish is even better than my English. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. So, do you want to mention maybe what your your actual like native language is? So, I think it'll surprise a lot of people. Okay, it's Greek. <laughs> it's Greek. Yeah. Um, so you're a native Greek speaker, but you could certainly fool me with your English. You sound very much like an American. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, as a kid, um, I watched a lot of uh, TV, a lot of American TV shows. So they are, thanks to them, you know, I um, learned uh, like Midwestern <laughs> pronunciation <laughs> of English. So, so if we had to look at your languages, um, Greek is your native language, but you're also very strong at English, Spanish. Finnish and Swedish, is that right? Yeah, well, that, those languages came a bit later because I started with um, Spanish when I was 10, English more or less also when I was 10 or 11. Then I, as a teenager, I started learning the other languages. Actually, I started with Dutch, but Dutch is a bit more difficult than Swedish. So 
I think my Swedish is better than my Dutch, although I started with Dutch earlier. Um, then I went to study in Finland. Uh, so that's why my Finnish is pretty strong too, although it's a very difficult language. And it's hard to learn, you know, to be proficient in Finnish. Interesting. Um, and I, how did you, so, so what would you say your levels in these languages are? Have you taken any of the, the CEFR exams or anything? Actually, I haven't because, well, when I, uh, when I studied them, there was the, those levels didn't exist yet. Uh, see, I, I, I learned them, you know, a long time ago. I'm in my early sixties now. So I learned them in the seventies. So the modern classification uh, of, of degrees and all that didn't exist back then. So no, I didn't take any exams. I just you know passed an exam in Swedish in order to, to um, study Nordic languages at the University of Helsinki. And that's it. Um, I wasn't even required to take an exam in Finnish because I, I wrote to the university in Finnish and that was good enough back then. So Very I actually, yeah. So, so you studied um, Nordic languages at university. Yeah, well, my major was Spanish. Uh, then okay. um, uh, in Finland, I studied Nordic languages, so that covered all Nordic languages, uh, all actually all Scandinavian languages plus Icelandic. Um, so Scandinavian language languages are Swedish, Norwegian, Danish and then um, uh, Icelandic. Um, although, although Finland is a Nordic country as a language, it's different. So it's not a Scandinavian, Scandinavian langu language. So I studied that too, of course. Um, and then I also studied Dutch in uh, Stockholm, at Stockholm University. Okay, very interesting. So yeah, those um, are my, my best languages, except for Icelandic. It's because it's uh, it's hard to uh, practice Icelandic because there are so few, so few people. <laughs> yeah, I I imagine. I don't know how. What's the population of Iceland? Five hundred thousand, maybe. No less. It's like three hundred. Yeah, three hundred twenty thousand, or okay. three hundred thirty thousand, maybe by now. Yeah. All Not right. Mm -hmm. And. Um, so Crush, our mutual contact, he he lived in Basque country for a while, um, which is sort of where he picked up Basque and he studied it there. Uh, how did you come in? So I'm not super surprised at somebody studying, you know, the Scandinavian languages or even Finnish, because these are sort of national languages. But, uh -huh. you know, Basque is sort of like a regional minority language. Um, how did you come into learning Basque? Well, one of the teachers at the University of Helsinki uh, spoke or had learned Basque. He was actually Finnish, um, but he had been to the Basque country and he has stayed in a monastery there uh, where Basque is taught. So he learned it and he thought of, um, you know, putting together a course uh, at the University of Helsinki. So I took it and I liked the language. And uh, I went for it. <laughs> you know, that was just a beginner's course. You know, then I um, I went to the Basque country. I I had a friend actually there, so he 
I, he had me stay at his uh, place so I could take a one month long course. And I did that twice. And after that, I bought a course to um, go on studying it alone. So yeah, it took me years, but uh, there was no rush. So <laughs> yeah, languages will always be there. You know, um, yeah. I it, it took me many, many years to get my grounds in my first foreign language. Um, okay. And language languages languages will always be there. Yeah. What's your first foreign language? Well, the first foreign language that I I sort of learned independently without any schooling was Filipino. Um, Filipino. Oh, why, why, and, why Filipino? Uh, yeah, so I had, I used to be a forensic technician helping um, a pathologist sort of uh, do autopsies and stuff. And oh. it was never really my passion. Uh, it's just something I did. So I quit my job and I moved abroad to teach English. And uh -huh. I was in Latin America for a little bit. Then I was in like Taiwan for a little bit. Then I ended up in the Philippines. And um, yeah, I, I took that as a um, an opportunity to learn the language. You know, when I moved abroad, I didn't want to be one of those expats who like only speaks English and only lives in an English bubble. Oh, um, yeah. And I it took know. me a, a good couple of years. You know, I, I did textbooks. And um, at Refold, we really like input. We believe in like watching TV, listening to the radio, reading books. But at that time, Refold didn't exist. And it was a good couple of years before I actually read my first book in Filipino. Um, so it, it, you know, it took me a long time. Yeah, okay. So you also speak Spanish if you taught English in Latin America? So I would not say I'm a, I'm a Spanish speaker. I do not speak it to a high level. I well, answer emails in Spanish for work. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, at our company, we we sell like a couple of courses. We sell flashcards. Um, and I would say a small majority, like 60% maybe, um, of our customers come from Spanish-speaking countries. Um, oh. One of our YouTube partners is Mr. Salas. He's a Spanish-speaking YouTuber. He's a polyglot. Uh, he's originally from Mexico. Um, and, like, I can offer refunds in Spanish and, like, have small... But I would say I am nowhere near, like, actual fluency. I'm not C1 or C2, you know. Okay. Um, so your Filipino is better than your Spanish? I would say so, because I've worked with Filipino off and on for seven years. Whereas Spanish was something I did for a while, and um, I never really took it to a to a high level. I would say. Okay. Well, it's no. easy, so you can always pick it up if you go for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm currently listening to um, a an audio book, Cadaver Exquisito. It's uh, an Argentinian book. Mm -hmm. um, I'm listening to the audio book for it in Spanish, and I, I started back a, a couple of weeks ago i said i want to take my spanish to the next level i want to be able to actually do professional things in spanish so how did you learn languages what's so i know that you mentioned that you got your perfect sort of midwestern american accent from tv but did you apply that same sort of mindset to like learning um scandinavian languages and learning basque how did you how did you do it um 
Well, partly because I listened to the radio. Um, I even even before I uh, started learning those languages, I would you know just listen to the radio if, without understanding anything. Well, uh, Finnish, for instance, I didn't understand a single word in the beginning. Um, it likes you know it, it helps you. It it helps you with pronunciation, intonation. Um, and then I did it for Spanish too, um, a, a lot more actually than because the radio station was stronger. The Spanish radio station was stronger. Um, the signal was stronger, so I could listen to it with no static, nothing. And then um, uh, shortwave, we had shortwave radios back then to listen to foreign stations. <laughs> there was no internet in the 70s. <laughs> so I had to use a radio, uh, a shortwave um, uh, radio uh, to listen to those countries. So yeah, that helped a lot. But of course I also used a, a book, you know, learning book to um, study the grammar, the vocabulary, everything. English, not really. The only English I got was, was school English, and you didn't really learn English at school. <laughs> it was right. pretty, pretty basic. Yeah. So I actually never studied English, not really. I just picked it up from, from TV. <laughs> now, um, I'm not sure. So Greek, modern Greek has very recently undergone a, a, a language shift, I guess, and I think it might have been around the 70s. Uh, they had something called Kathravosa or something. Oh, yeah, Kasarevusa. Yeah. And was that still taught in school when you were in school? Oh, yeah. And I had a big problem because, you know, um, uh, actually, my, well, I, I haven't told you the whole story uh, because my father was French. So actually, the first language I learned was French because, well, my mother was Greek, my father was French, and I was born in France. And my mother wouldn't, uh, never taught me, never bothered to, to, <laughs> to teach me Greek. So I only spoke French uh, up to the age of two, two and a half, something like that. And then they brought me to Greece to be raised by my grandmother, my mother's mother, who only spoke Greek. So I... I learned Greek uh, with her, uh, and I started forgetting my French. So that's why I, I I said that my mother tongue is Greek, although it's not technically uh, exactly so. Anyway, um, but then when I was six, or yeah, six, I went to French school instead of Greek school. So so yeah, my my Greek never was never really strong because I. I, I I learned how to read read Greek uh, alone, um, actually thanks to um, uh, Donald Duck comic books. <laughs> because the first when I was six, that was the first year that um, uh, Donald Duck books uh, were published in Greek in Greece in Greek in Greece. So yeah. Um, that's how I learned uh, how to read. Uh, I, I think this is actually going to surprise a lot of Americans. Oh, I've yeah? heard that Donald Duck is really popular, his comic books, super oh. popular in Europe. But in America, Donald mm -hmm. Duck is sort of like a side character. 
I know. The first time I went to the States, it was like, um, I think back in 1994, was it? Yeah, I, I was expecting to see Donald Duck comic books everywhere. And I went, to, I first went to the, to the airport kiosk, <laughs> to the newsstand to buy Donald Duck, and I couldn't find a single one. And <laughs> I didn't understand what's going on. Then, you know, I went to New York City. I went to the newsstands, nothing. I didn't understand. It was a big shock. <laughs> yeah, Donald Duck comics are unheard of in the States, but they're very popular all across Europe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially not, not so much in Spain, but uh, in Greece and in Italy and in the Nordic, the Nordic countries and in Holland and Germany, they're very popular. In France, very popular. There was some, at some point, there were like eight different comic books uh, published uh, every month, you know, one every week and then several different ones. Uh, one would be called Minnie Mouse and it only had stories with Minnie. One would be called uh, Phantom, uh, only with Phantom Duck, another one Mickey Mouse, etc. You know, each character. And you totally lost me because I have no clue who Phantom Duck is. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, back to, back to learning Greek, it, it's yeah. something you spoke yeah. at home with your grandmother and yeah. at the time yeah. they had this gravosa, right? Which was sort yeah. of like, um, it was it's an older, sort of classicalized Greek. Yeah. older kind of artificial Greek. Nobody spoke it. It was just, you know, um, on TV. Or, and uh, books were written in Kafarebusa, so school books were written in Kafarebusa. And of course, I didn't, I, ha I didn't have a clue about Kafarebusa because in, in, in Donald Duck comic books, it was Rimotiki, um, the spoken language. But then, you know, um, after finishing um, uh, the French school, elementary school, I was taken back to France. So I went to intermediate uh, school there, again in French. But then when I was uh, 15, I came back to Greece and I, I went to Greek school for the first time. And yeah, I stumbled upon Kafarebus. And that was a shock because I had a hard time understanding it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess uh, like a sort of a comparison would be like, imagine if Spain used sort of like, a latinized version of spanish you know um yeah. i'm trying because I'm, I'm i'm thinking about our listeners and like what uh -huh. how do we explain catherine lucy because it's you know it's sort of like well artificial archaicized form of the language that they eventually dropped i think in the 70s oh uh, i think later on okay. i think yeah, it was later than that. I mean, totally. But it was a, it was sort of like a form of diglossia, right? You had your spoken Greek and your written Greek. Yeah, it was something like that. And you know, in Finland, there's a spoken uh, language and a written language. Right. But the difference is smaller than between Kafarebusha and Vimotiki. Um, it, it was actually hard because there were many different words so if you didn't learn if you didn't know the word you had to look it up in the dictionary and the verb forms were like archaic uh, a bit like ancient greek 
but of course I had, didn't have a clue about ancient Greek either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Greek is an interesting language in a lot of ways. Um, uh, have you ever heard of carcinization? Like carcinization? Uh, carcinization. It's it's a uh, it's something that happens in animals, like sea animals. They tend to turn into crabs <laughs> over time. Um, sea animals evolve to look like crabs. Um, a lot of what we call crabs are not actually crabs. They just look like crabs. Really? It's, it's sort of like how a how like a shark and a dolphin look similar, but they're not related. Like they're not closely related. Okay. I'm being long-winded here, but my point is, is that in Greek, you have something called iodization, where all of the vowels turn into iota, E. Okay, well, not all of them, but many of them. <laughs> yeah, and that's when the... the they're pronounced yeah. like E. Yeah. They're pronounced like E, which in, uh -huh. you know, in English we say iota. Um, okay, and, but the and, sound... It's the sound E. That's why I'm saying E. It's the sound yeah. E. Uh, and I imagine that would be quite difficult. You know, you were partially educated in French. You didn't have this background. Oh, yeah. It was uh, it was a bit hard to learn uh, how to s uh, spell correctly. Yeah. But I worked on it uh, uh, when I was uh, 11 in France. I had my mother read to me, you know, I had, um, I subscribed to a Greek magazine and I had my mother read to me and I would write it, write the text. And then I would compare to the written text and I would correct my mistakes. So I actually, um, managed to, um, spell Greek pretty well. You know, and I have a very, very, very minor non-standard accent, um, in my English and I make spelling errors all the time i can't imagine how i would fare in uh a language like greek with the back when you had the what is it the demotiki slash katharavosa difference um uh, we also had accents back then i mean different accents so that made it even harder but i i, I managed to learn them i had no problem with accents actually but of course they were um they were abolished like uh uh when was it like 20 years ago maybe more 30 years ago so we only have one accent like now like spanish just to mark no. the stress gotcha yeah and i i guess so one thing i've i've heard uh, i've got actually very little exposure to greek is that it sounds a lot like european spanish oh yeah yeah that's actually uh, one of the reasons why I was why I was able to um, pronounce Spanish like a Spaniard because I had um, the Greek uh, phonology um, to rely on, and then of course I had the French vocabulary to help me with uh, with Spanish vocabulary. So that's why Spanish uh, was pretty easy to me compared to English, which is which is a Germanic language. So it's actually harder to me. Yeah, uh, it becomes natural to me um, as Spanish. Yeah, I um, and I feel similar. You know, um, the Germanic languages. Uh, the. Uh, 
I think you froze there for a while. And again. <clears throat> You're frozen. Can't hear you. Are you back? I think I'm back. Okay, you froze. Can you see and hear me? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, okay. You. I. I got. I got until. Uh, I think the the Germanic language or language. Right. Language? And, yeah. Wait. Art Jafar is our video editor. Um, I'll have Jafar edit this. So no worries. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, what I was saying was uh, the Germanic languages, the verbs are very similar. You know, German has the, in Dutch, they have the separable verbs. It reminds me of like the phrasal verbs in English. And so, um, do, so do Scandinavian languages. Okay. Uh, and we tend to have a lot of vowel sounds, you know, like mm -hmm. a versus a uh, mm -hmm. versus uh, u versus u, things like that. Um, so I can imagine you probably did have some issues going into the Germanic languages from Greek. Yeah, yeah. Although <clears throat> Swedish and Norwegian felt really easy to me, even easier than English, I might say. Um, I don't know. Danish was a bit harder because of pronunciation. But uh, yeah, well, not so much. Um, it's rather some some of the consonants that were hard to imitate um, in the beginning, or actually not to imitate, but to understand Danes. That's the hardest part, you know. E even up even now, on the if I if I speak with a Dane on the phone, I don't get it all. If it's on the phone, or, or if uh, they are drunk or something, <laughs> I don't get it all. I miss some of it. Yeah, but, I, but I'm, not, um, I'm not surprised. Okay, <laughs> but no, Norwegian and Swedish uh, felt like easier than English. Maybe because I already spoke English, so it was uh, more of the same. With uh, you know, not so many idioms, so that's good. English has so many idioms, and even things that you don't call idioms, but they to me they are idioms. Because if you don't say it a, in a specific way, it doesn't sound English. It sounds odd. It's, I mean, people don't use that form that, you know, they use specific forms. And that's an idiom to me. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like this is a sort of, um, there's a generational gap with, um, with idioms in English. So I don't know if this is because, you know, I'm, I'm younger, I'm, I'm in my early 30s. But I feel like older people use far more idioms in English than younger people. And I don't know if that's true. I don't have any data on this. But um, I feel like younger people use fewer idioms. But I could be totally wrong. I, I would say that younger people use even more idioms. You think so? I think so. Or yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe the the same idioms weren't so, you know, like 
ironclad in the past and now they are. Maybe people spoke more freely in the past. There were more options. Now it's like there's only one option and everybody mimics it. I don't know. I, am I right? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I was actually thinking about an idiom. Um, and I actually Googled it this morning and it, the dictionary marked it as um, uh, archaic. It's to tan someone's hide. Have you ever heard that? To tan some, someone's hide. No. Mm. No. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, it's okay. I heard it all the time growing up in the countryside. It's so it means to 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 beat someone. Um, okay. Like but tanning I, like leather but, and hide like skin and to tan a hide. I guess they they to tan hide they beat it. Um, okay. and like things like that. To me that reminds me of how old people speak. They use a lot of idioms that Oh okay. I, like, but I wasn't talking about that kind of idioms. That's more like a, a, a standard expression or, okay, that's that's something you have in other languages. But in English, it's like <clears throat> there's only one one way people use to, to say anything, pretty much anything. I mean, if you say it in another way, it doesn't sound English or it sounds odd. That's what I mean. Whereas in other languages, it's more it's, it's more free language is more free it's like doesn't matter how you say it it's still norwegian or it's still swedish um like i'm having dinner if you say i'm eating dinner it sounds odd it's not used yeah maybe <laughs> i'm having dinner i'm not sure i've actually never thought about that oh <laughs> i have to think um, about all the time <laughs> yeah now i know that older people where i'm from dinner is lunch oh um okay so I, do know I, that. That's I, a, I think this this is how it was in the scandinavian countries too in the past yeah so you can say something like dinner's on the table and supper's cooking because dinner would be lunch and then supper would be dinner oh, um, okay. Yeah. At least in the countryside. I'm from the countryside from the middle of nowhere. And that was the case when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it, it was just to illustrate what I mean by idiom. It's just anything you say. Right. Like there's a, a, a standard way of saying it. And everybody says it, says it that way. And if you change the verb, it's not used. It's like it sounds off. Right. That's what I mean yeah. by idiom in English. Yeah, it, it's not a creative process. Everybody has the a set way of saying something. Pretty much is what yeah. you're saying. Okay, so you recognize what what the fun, the phenomenon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that might be the case. Um, yeah. Now, with with your languages, um, you have learned at least two non-Indo-European languages to some degree, or maybe even three. Uh, I'm not sure what your Hawaiian level is. You've got Basque, Finnish, and Hawaiian. Okay, and Sami. I also studied Sami at the university. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and with Sami, isn't it actually more like a cluster of languages? Well, okay, I only learned... There are many languages. 
and it, it, within each language, there are many dialects. Uh, so you can't learn them all. I just um, I just learned North North Northern Sami or yeah North okay. Northern Sami. That's the 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 standard uh, language of uh, the northern part of Lapland uh, or Sami. Okay, interesting. Does so that's know what so Sami you got. Yeah, Sami is um, for our listeners. It's sort of the well, it's one of the indigenous languages or groups of languages in the like the far north of Finno-Scandia, right? So the far north of Norway, Sweden, and Finland, and Russia. Oh, and Russia. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, and I think actually, yeah, that makes sense. I guess Russia has that whole thing with like. It used to be Karelia, part of Finland. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. That was another language, yeah. That is yeah. being lost, I think, now. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not, I don't know. Um, yeah, there are a couple of these Finnic languages that descend from like medieval or early modern Finnish. Um, I think there are some in yeah. Norway also as well. Oh yeah, sure. yeah. Some early settlers from or immigrants that came uh, from Finland and kept their old-fashioned Finnish, and then uh, it's a bit altered compared to to the past, but it's still you know an old older form of Finnish. Yeah, man, man, yeah. It's called man, uh, which means our language in Finnish. <laughs> but that's what the that dialect is called. Yeah. Yeah, and for some period of time, I think there was actually um, uh, some Finnish in the northern U.S. Oh yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, immigrants there. Yeah, I think like Michigan. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah many Scandinavians or Nordics there. Minnesota, yeah. maybe. Maybe Minnesota or Michigan. Uh-huh. Yeah. There were also people from Iceland. Yes, for sure. And I think there were also people from Iceland who settled in um, Canada. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, what is it sort of like comparing your experience with these... Um, Indo-European languages and these non-Indo-European languages, so Basque, um, Sami, Finnish, uh, Hawaiian. Uh -huh. Well, of course, uh, since uh, my native tongue is Indo-European, of course, those other languages are harder to me, <laughs> much harder. Um, even Hawaiian, which looks easy, um, it isn't. <laughs> So I, you know, Hawaiian is an Austronesian language. It's a Malaysian, Malaya Polynesian language. So it's like a cousin to Filipino, but it's like a very distant cousin. So I actually know very little about it. If I, if I squint my eyes, I can make out cognates here and there, um, but that's it. No, okay. Well, I would say that the difficult part. Uh, of Hawaiian is that there are many words uh, that uh, for each 
uh, each each um, notion for each term, and each word means many things, many different things. And then there are many small words which look alike or are the same and mean different things and are used used for different things. <laughs> um, plus, the grammar is totally different. You have to get used to whole different uh, mindsets. Um, yeah, so I think my, my vague understanding about Hawaiian is um, they have this concept of alienability or something, alienable versus inalienable possession. So okay. like... Um, That's common to all Polynesian languages. I, I studied a bit of Samoan too. So um, it has the same thing. And I think Tahitian, I, I listen to Tahitian radio because I like the music. So. Um, yeah, I I, right. read, I read, actually read a guide, um, a, a language guide uh, on all uh, Polynesian languages. So all of them has this notion of uh, inherent and not none. Uh, you you call it something else. Uh, I think I said inalienable. Inalienable versus okay. like I like your hand is different than your wife or your husband or something like. The possession right is like inherent okay right? yeah. It's like, yeah because you don't you don't have a choice with your hand right and, uh, whereas your husband you 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 choose them and your right child, you choose to have a child um but your your father and mother according to hawaiian thinking you don't choose them <laughs> yeah yeah but, so yeah it's more extended with- that it's 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 not just body parts and family members it's also uh, the clothes you wear they are considered part of you although you choose them they're part of you so it's 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 it falls under the same category as um um, your parents and and your body parts and your car same thing you're part of it you're inside it so you're like part of it. Yeah, and with with Hawaiian, uh, what do you do for content? Like, you know, do you interact with mostly like first speakers, like native language speakers, or do you read books, or um, how well, do you engage with the language? Okay, well, I started uh, learning Hawaiian a long time ago. It's not recent. It, it was like in the late nineties um with a book um let's speak hawaiian um so i i finished the book many times and i still couldn't speak it because there was uh, practically no internet then um at least it wasn't possible for me to find anybody on the internet to speak hawaiian with and so i bought more books as they were published you know more books to not 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 books to read not reading books but uh textbooks to learn the language and each book would offer a different aspect, different um, words, um, or it explained the grammar differently. So it helped. So that that's how I, you know, gained more um, confidence. Uh, I must have, I, you know, studied like six, seven, eight or more textbooks and grammar books up until like a couple of years ago when I discovered Duolingo. So 
um, I had actually stopped um, stopped reading any Hawaiian for many years, so I was uh, I, I had forgotten a lot of it. So uh, thanks to Duolingo, I brushed it up, and I discovered um, events and the ev Duolingo events, and that that those were meetings of learners. So I took part to the Hawaiian meeting. There was just one. Um, the host was an American guy who had learned Hawaiian, so his Hawaiian wasn't better than mine. <laughs> um, he, he didn't really speak it. Uh, so yeah, the meeting was basically in English. Uh, but in spite of that, and we spoke very little Hawaiian, next to none, I must, I must say, in those meetings. But in spite of that, that helped me to learn, to, to, to start speaking Hawaiian. The little bit of, you know, practice that I got, uh, you know, launched my Hawaiian. Um, so after that, you know, um, a few months ago, I discovered um, like a, another gathering that is done by Hawaiians, uh, native, native, uh, native speakers. And they will just speak among uh, with each other. And um, we can uh, attend. It's an online meeting, and um, we speak very little. But then, you, you know, they ask us if we have any question, or they ask us one question in each meet, each meeting, and then we get to speak some 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 Hawaiian. So that helps too to to actually uh, listen to native speakers and try to understand. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> So that 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 that's what I basically do, and I I um I'm I'm actually right now I'm reading more textbooks and grammars that I found um, online. I printed them out and I'm reading them. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. And you so you you meet with um, some native speakers and some other learners. You read textbooks. Do you ever engage with? Um, like uh, literature, oral histories, oral stories, books? Not really, but I got some books from Crush. So I did start reading them. But of course, in those textbooks that I have, there are plenty of, of, of Hawaiian stories, you know, mythology stories, plenty of them. So it's not like I haven't read any of it. No, I have plenty of them. They are hard, but of course, the English trans translation helps um, some of the, the stories are not translated. Um, I could still, you know, uh, understand them thanks to the, you know, the, 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 the dictionary that I have. I bought two dictionaries. One of them is pretty big, so it helps. Um, so when I start really, you know, I, when my level uh, goes up in, in a language, I do uh, read stories or, you know, um, websites or whatever i get my hands on actually uh if um well donald duck is a number one option <laughs> right yeah um something donald... tells me that donald duck is not in hawaiian no unfortunately i wonder why <laughs> yeah you know uh the integration of the Kingdom of Hawaii into America is the reason, you know, they're American and we Americans just don't do Donald Duck comics for some reason. I don't know why. They sound pretty great. Yeah. Well, of course, um, 
there's a dark part and all of that, but um, I don't mind because I know about it. So I know I, I, I can recognize it. So it doesn't affect me because I know what it is. <laughs> if you don't know what it is, you know, if you're a child, then of course, yeah, it can affect you. For sure. Mm. Now, with um, with these sort of uh, marginalized languages like Northern Sami, Basque, Hawaiian, um, how how does that compare? You know, when you learn Finnish, you've got the national government, right? The state government of Finland supporting the language. Um, you can go to university, for example, in Finnish if you wanted to. I'm sure. Whereas I imagine that's not the case with Northern Sami. No, we did have a lesson. It was uh, like a couple of hours every week, but the teacher wasn't really a teacher. <laughs> she just she was a native speaker, so she couldn't really teach. So yeah, it was up to us to really learn the language, you know, review the grammar and uh, try to make make out what the stories were about. The stories that we we read uh, so yeah it doesn't help it's harder you've got less resources of course now you you, you have the not sami radio so i tried to listen to the sami radio from finland and from sweden um but still it's not all day long it's just a few hours a day and they will switch in be between sami and swedish or sami and finnish <laughs> it's bilingual and you know the 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 Norwegian uh, part uh, when they speak Sami, but are the the ones who live in Norway, they the, their Sami is affected by the national language by no, Norwegian, and the ones who live in Finland, well their Sami is affect is affected by it or influenced by Finnish, and it's the same thing in Hawaiian, uh, native Hawaiians will. Well, 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 use English words in between, like, you know, uh, but, so, uh, it's crazy. I mean, to me, it's crazy. I, I never do that. Why can't they? I, I don't know they're, if they're native speakers. Why will, why are, you know, are they so stuck? I mean, so, so influenced by English. It's crazy. That happens. That happens. Um yeah that, that that definitely happens and um and even pronunciation you know um okay native speakers don't really i don't know i i think that um like the k's and the t's and the p's and hawaiian shouldn't be um uh aspirated but people do aspirate them like in english i think that's an english uh influence yeah, yeah. Um, I have heard, um, so you know, the Philippines is another case where there's high level of bilingualism with, with English. Um, oh. And I've heard the English R, which is not a, a native sound. Um, and I've heard some people with their aspirated stops, like tongue, puff. Um, really? In yeah. mm -hmm. Oh, I see. So I think, uh, yeah, this must be sort of um, something that happens, 
you know, under like, you know, language contact. Uh, and then I noticed that Samoans uh, who, when, they actually have a British accent when they speak English. Well, their T's sound like British T's, like T almost, not like American okay. T's. When they speak Samoan, they, they use the same T, the British T. I think that comes from British English. Right, that super, super aspirate almost sounds like a, an Africate kind of sound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, English, I mean, even Dutch has American English, uh, American, the American R. You know that, right? Yes, yeah, the, they call it the hoisa air. Okay, at the end, at the end of words. It, at the end of a word. They, yeah, or before I stop, like board. Uh huh. And even Swedish yeah. and Norwegian, they have this retroflex sound, and it sounds like American R, like barn. Okay. Yeah, child. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot of I guess language contact, uh, but some of those things could be native. I don't know. You know. Uh, uh, in terms of like the the rhotics, uh, I, I feel like um, I don't think this was so strong in 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 the in the Swedish spoken back in the fifties, because I've seen some old movies, old older Swedish movies, and the 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 it was it sounded different, a bit different. They spoke more slowly and more clearly. Um, and I don't think this retroflex sound was as pronounced as now, as it is now. It's getting more American, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned Samoan. You mentioned Hawaiian. My question is, do Tahitians sound French? Is there like a French accent in their... their yeah. Or, you know? yeah yeah it's like the intonation um sometimes they they will stress uh words on the last syllable um or they will have like a singing uh intonation um, like bonsoir yorana <laughs> uh, is uh, hi or good good day good morning it's uh, everything but they say Yorana, like they say bonsoir. <laughs> Have so, you gotten the chance to listen to much uh, of the variation in Hawaiian? The the variation? What variation? the variation? So like the dialects, the dialects of Hawaiian. Oh, well, not much, but those teachers that um, host the meeting are from Niihau, which is the oldest, um, pre still preserved, let's say, fully preserved. Uh, Hawaiian there's still, yeah, there's still majority, like a lot of Hawaiians outside of uh, Nihau mm -hmm. don't speak Hawaiian as like their main driver, their daily driver. Um, okay, so you get to hear their variety. I hear that, that K and T are kind of slippery for them. When you say slippery? They're kind what? of like variations of each other, like they might say Kanaka or Tanata, uh, they might, you know, um, they treat them as like allophones of each other. Uh -huh. I think that 
I'm not sure about those two teachers. I think their K sounds like pretty neutral K, but there are some other people who who are native speakers who just want to practice their Hawaiian. Um, and I've also seen videos. I think the original Hawaiian uh, K is uh, a lot like Greenlandic Q. Have you heard it? Yeah, it's more like that. Not as pronounced as in Greenlandic, but still like a bit like that. Because there's a guy there who's native who, who has this this K and I've heard it in uh, many videos. Not in Americans who learn Hawaiian. No, they can't. You can't say that. <laughs> or uh, they have, yeah, yeah. The, the sort of neo-Hawaiian. Another thing is I think Hawaiian has this the sound and a lot of americans who learn hawaiian pronounce it like a v but it's not really a v well according to um an old book that i'm reading now it depends if the word starts with a w or if it's in the middle so at the beginning it should be like uh between wa and va but then in the middle it's like a v according to that book, but then even native speakers um, interchange. So I guess there's no standard rule anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I imagine, how would you say Hawaii in Hawaii? Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. But you know what yeah. I noticed uh, from those how native speakers when they speak Hawaiian? They actually use more uh, um, more loans from English than the the University of Hawaiian that that we are taught. <laughs> like the we are more purists than they are. Like for instance, we say for salad we say um, we okay University of Hawaiian says uh, lau ai, but they will say saleta salad, and many words like that loans from English. So yeah, um, <laughs> puzzling. Yeah, so this is actually very interesting because you see something similar with with Filipino, where you've got like three levels of 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 vocab. You've got native vocab, you've got Spanish vocab, and you've got English vocab. And uh, you definitely have this tendency where people who learn Filipino as a second language prefer the indigenous vocab. Whereas a native speaker is just as likely to grab a Spanish or an English word, um, oh. even even when a native word exists. Um, <laughs> it sounds um, sophisticated <laughs> to them, yeah. of course, not to us. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, Scandinavians will even use English words when they speak. Uh, in between uh, Danish or Norwegian or Swedish or English expressions, you name it. Like they will speak Norwegian and they, they will say you name it or whatever, or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> things like that. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah? I did not know that. I've, I've had very little interaction with Scandinavians. Oh, okay. Well, they do. <laughs> A long time ago, I used to travel. And you could always tell um, if Scandinavians had been somewhere um, because 
people did not recognize the the snooze tins, you know, the little tins. So I would travel in hostels and I would see the people at the hostel put the snooze tin in the lost and found because they weren't aware like, oh no, that's just garbage. That's somebody's empty, empty snooze. They're not actually, uh, so, you know, you could always tell that there had been Scandinavians because you would see in the lost and found. The, um, I'm sorry, I missed what they found. What they put in the lost and found? The what? The, 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 the little snooze. The snooze. The it's like tobacco. Comes in a can. Oh, the snooze. Yeah. Oh, but they, why would they put it in the lost and found? Well, because wow. people in like Latin America, they just see it. They're like, somebody left this here, and they'll put it in the lost and found, um, even if it's like garbage. <laughs> so you could always. I remember traveling through Latin America and I could see like General and all the different like brands of of um, tobacco. And I was like, okay, Scandinavians have been here because... Oh, uh, okay, because it's common to, to sniff uh, in Scandinavia. Oh, yes. Okay. And the people at the hostel didn't recognize, oh, that's garbage. That's somebody's old can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay. So, uh, you know, but I've had very, very little inter interactions as an American from the middle of nowhere with Scandinavians. <laughs> Is Kentucky in the middle of nowhere? It feels that way sometimes. Okay. Are, are, do you uh, live in the countryside? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm from an unincorporated community. That has about 300 people. Wow. Total. Yeah. Oh, it's like a village. A village? It makes it sound nicer because we're spread out. Oh, you know, okay. You, you uh -oh. have to drive really far to see somebody's, you know, oh. house. So, oh, yeah, it's very much. Have... Yeah. So it's the same concept uh, as Los Angeles. You have to drive to get any anywhere you want. Yeah, I'm not a super huge fan. Uh, Kolani, we are about at time. Before we go, I wanted to give you the stage. Uh, I've got two questions for you. The first one is, is there anything that I didn't bring up that you wanted to talk about, that you wanted to say a few words on? Um, no, I don't think so. Well, um, I didn't mention that I also tried to learn Greenlandic, but um, it didn't work out. It's too difficult. <laughs> but I did try it out. Um, Turkey also too difficult. <laughs> I have a client who I coach who is learning um, Ojibwe, which is oh. polysynthetic, like like Greenlandic. Um, oh, okay. Uh, okay. But unfortunately, uh, I don't speak any indigenous languages. No, yeah. Well, I think all of them are more or less pretty hard. <laughs> um, uh, and the, yeah. the second thing before we go is, what, what what is your parting advice to the listeners, you know, when it comes to language learning? What would your one piece of sage wisdom be? Only one thing? Um, listen to the radio or the tv or a podcast or whatever you got lots of options now uh it really helps you know it, it you internalize the language without realizing it you know the next thing you know you start speaking it 
and Oalani. Uh, am I saying that right? Sure, yeah. That's Hawaiian, okay. by the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's Hawaiian. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on. And thank it was a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. I wish you the best for your business and everything you, uh, you're involved in. <laughs> I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Refold Podcast. If you're watching the live premiere, you're in luck. Right as it ends, we have an after party over on the Refold Central Discord server. Come join us by using refold.link forward slash join and chat about the episode. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to hear more, you can find older episodes to listen to on YouTube and Spotify. Let us know what you thought about the video by liking and leaving a comment below. Do you have suggestions for upcoming visitors or requests for particular topics? Please feel free to reach out to me on Discord at georgepig hashtag 5413 or via email at clayton at refold.la. Thank you all for watching and or listening, and I'll see you next week.